0: We're back with another episode of the Raptors and Scan Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Jamar Grooms. As always, as always, I always say this. I appreciate everyone who supported me thus far, uh, supported this, uh, this project, and uh, continues to tune in on a consistent basis. I hope you've, uh, you've gleaned some information, some insights, some inspiration that has led you to revelation over the course of this past five or so weeks. Uh, this is episode number six. And um, a lot of times when I start doing this uh, or doing these podcasts, I have some idea of what I want to talk about. You know, God has uh, revealed some things to me uh, that that he wants me to discuss and unpack. And uh, but I'm also trying to be consistent. Right. So it's kind of sometimes that juxtaposition between when we want to do a thing and how we want to do a thing in our timeline versus God, And when you're seeking revelatory experiences and revelations from God, it doesn't always come in that consistent time frame where, oh, I want to put this out weekly, so I'm just going to do it. And uh, I don't I I never wanted to fall into that trap where I am just kind of doing stuff out of my own will, because honestly, this takes up a lot of time and a lot of energy. And I could be deploying that into some other stuff, some other business ventures. But anyway, uh, and, and this is not a business venture, by the way, this is, um, again, just something I, I, I feel called and led to do that being said, um, uh, I almost decided that I wasn't going to put one out this week, you know, like it's the holidays, I can skip a week, right? So I decided that I wasn't going to do it, but unless God moved and, uh, and as always God moves, right? Um, and so you know, I started thinking. I, I kind of realized that from the beginning of this. I mean, obviously, if you listen to the first three episodes that we did at the beginning of the year, you got some insight into kind of who I am and what the book is about, um, what my mindset is around everything, essentially. Uh, but mainly when it comes to purpose and um, living a, a purpose-filled life, and um, and what that looks like, right? So. If you listen to the first three episodes, you may have gotten a glimpse into that, you know, a little bit of my background and my history. But honestly, I haven't spent a lot of time telling you about uh, who I am and and how I arrived at kind of this uh, this point where I'm at. Uh, And we don't have enough time to talk about my entire backstory. But I thought it'd be good to just give you some insight into why I think the way I think, uh, some of my experiences and... um, yeah, just kinda unpack some of that stuff. So that's what this is gonna be. This is this is really gonna be me giving you a little bit about my backstory. And kinda what made me think about this even more is a couple of weeks ago I did a podcast. Uh I I was I was guest on a friend of mine's podcast. Shout out to Pastor Keith Allen, uh at Purpose Place LA. Um, but you know, he asked me a lot of questions about my my own personal story, my origin story, and I thought, look, man, I, I haven't even done that really on my podcast. So um, I wanted to take some time again to kinda of talk about me where I come from and uh again how I arrived here. Now, um I I've told this story before, maybe some of you know this and some of you don't, but I I felt I felt like a move of God early on when I was uh when I was a kid, before I even know what that knew what that term meant, move of God. What what does it mean to uh have a have a realization that you are having an experience with something outside of yourself, right? Um, and so I was like seven years old, and my mom had a, we had a revival at church. And uh, those of you who are from the south or who have, grew up in a Southern Baptist household, uh, you would know about revivals. I mean, there were revivals all over the place, but something about a Southern Baptist revival, right? So we used to we had all these speakers coming in from different places to talk to us, to speak. And and part of the reason that we had so many different preachers come in that revival week was because our pastor was about to retire, right? And we were actually using the revival as an opportunity to kind of audition new pastors. And so this pastor preached, uh, Pastor James Brazier, and he is, uh, you know, he was my pastor growing up. He actually got the job and he was was the pastor that kind of, helped develop me early on uh, in my spiritual walk so long story short he preached you know brought the house down everybody was you know shouting falling out in the spirit and, and uh I, I just remember feeling they opened the doors of the church and i remember feeling uh this, this gentle kind of push is the only way I can d- describe it i didn't hear an audible voice i didn't hear a uh any sound it was just a a gentle push from within that said to me or that meant to me that I was supposed to go that day and give my life to God, but I had no idea what that even meant, so I stood up and they opened the doors of the church. I stood up, my mom looked at me like, What are you what are you doing? and I said uh i i I don't know I think I'm supposed to go up front, so she let me go up front, so I went up front. Uh, the pastor was uh, retiring, Pastor Lander at the time. He said to me, he said, son, what are you, uh, what are you doing up here? And I said, well, I think I'm supposed to give my life to, to God today. And he said, what does that mean to you? I said, well, I accept Jesus Christ as my pers- as my personal Lord and Savior. Uh, I repent for my sins. Everything that I had learned in Sunday school is what I regurgitated that day. And so I got baptized, but You know seven years old you don't understand what 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 it really means to have a relationship with god but i felt like i had been led so that kind of started my journey of being at least interested in something outside of myself right this knowing that there was something bigger than me that was moving things around that was in control uh, so that was the first time I really realized that I was not in complete control, right? So fast forward, grew up in church, but just like any kid, I had interests outside of the church. It just so happened that my mom was heavily involved in church, Sunday school teacher, singing in a choir, all that stuff. So, and again, I've said this before, we were at church a lot. I mean, you know, not, not, too, it didn't seem crazy to us at the time, but we were in church a lot. Sundays for sure, Tuesdays choir rehearsal, something was going on Wednesday, prayer meeting, whatever. Uh my mom actually also took care of the church, so we would go on Saturdays and help clean the pews and vacuum and all that stuff. So we were in church a lot. Summertime we were in Bible competitions and so um had that had that upbringing. I had a real uh real church kind of upbringing it was a thing to do to go to church on sunday and until we did that we couldn't do anything else so it was all good then uh i lost my mom at 14 a lot of you know i lost my mom at 14 and that kind of really uh changed my relationship with not only church but with god for sure Uh, because i was angry i was i had questions and and at that point i had been taught that you don't question god God does things and he has his own motives and you don't question those motives. And I, and I was mad because I couldn't question him or I thought I couldn't question him. You know, I was, uh, I had no idea why this was happening, what it meant. And then to be told that you shouldn't question God about what was going on, gave me again, this, this deep sense of frustration with the whole situation. Obviously, it's outside of my control, but then you can't even ask the person who's in control why something is happening. So from 14 to 18, now this sounds counterintuitive, but from 14 to 18, as someone who was angry with God, I didn't miss a Sunday at church. So I was at church every Sunday from 14 to 18. And the primary reason I was at church that much was because I... um I didn't want to let my mom down right so i didn't want to um i didn't want to come across as someone who was disobedient to what his mother had told him so really the whole reason i was going to church was just because i was i wanted to fulfill something that she wanted me to do but i was tuned out like literally the whole time i was i can't tell you anything consciously that i retained obviously there were some things that happened during that time that that I retained, some things that were said that guided me throughout the course of my life. But I was, I was sitting in church, basically like a robot every Sunday. And um, so needless to say, by the time I got to college, I was done with church. Like I didn't, I wasn't interested in going. I didn't have any desire to go. And I can count on one hand how many times I went to church while I was in college. Four years of undergraduate school, a year grad school and uh, yeah, I can count on one hand. Now that didn't mean that I didn't feel like I had a relationship, but I did what most people do. I shouldn't say most people, that's an overgeneralization, but what a lot of people do, they say, oh man, I, I got a relationship with God. I ain't, I don't need to go to church. I don't need that. Like I, I, can, I can sit in my house and have a relationship with God. God is everywhere. And that is true, God is everywhere. But there's something about gathering yourself together, belonging to a community, that really strengthens and galvanizes your relationship with God. It fortifies it. It's something about being together with people who are on the same journey, who are going through the same issues and dealing with some of the same situations that you're dealing with, um, that you can lean on and learn from. I didn't know anything about mentorship. I didn't know anything about discipleship. I didn't know anything about group connections and corporate prayer or any of that stuff and so I was kind of separated from the power of of God in that in that space and you know that kind of started me on this journey now my whole goal was obviously at that point in college to just really focus on getting a degree getting a job having a little fun in the meantime so I did I did all that I I had a lot of fun did a lot of things wrong but by the grace of God I was didn't get any major trouble. You know, I was, I was one of these kids. I I used to fight a lot uh, for whatever reason, but I I didn't really get any major, major trouble. But my relationship with God was distant. I felt God was, um, now at times I felt him strongly, but I almost ran from it. Right. I I, I always, I always felt his presence, but I didn't embrace it. Right. It, It was like, it was almost, it was almost like, um, yeah, God's here, but, um, I don't need to know any more about him than i do already right i didn't feel like i needed to grow in my relationship with god because again in my mind yeah i i know god i knew god at seven i knew I, you know i'm I'm the kid that got baptized at seven years old during the revival i know god but i didn't right i knew him from an existential standpoint i theoretically knew god but i had no idea what that meant so you know it, i'm not gonna tell you my entire backstory, but you know i i get to a place where i'm wrestling with this idea of what do I want to keep going down this traditional career path or do I want to try something different because as I told you I'm, I'm feeling God is calling me to do something now to back up just a little bit around the same time that my mom passed away which was when I was 14 I felt that God had given me some clear instruction as to what I should do for him and how I should serve him and that was through Writing and speaking. I started writing around that same time. You know, I had been speaking in church in front of people since I was about 10 years old um, But to me that meant oh you want me to be a preacher now. I'm not I'm not interested <laughs> I'm not, Everything I knew about preaching. I'm not I'm not That's not my thing. So um, So even though I knew I had a call on my life. I wasn't interested because I Didn't know what that what that would look like for me and for my future And again, all I wanted to do was go get a job, make a lot of money, have some kids, get the house, cars, all that stuff. So that's what I was interested in. And and none of that looked like preaching or pastoring a church. So, uh, you know, I was on this, I was on this journey after I graduated college to figure out what I really wanted to do. I got the degree and I tell people this all the time. The reason I got the degree primarily was because my mom had instilled in me and instilled in my brother that That's just the natural thing to do. You go to college, you get a job, so you don't have to struggle like I struggled. And so I just followed her blueprint. This is what she said do. Go to church every Sunday, go to college, get a degree, get a master's degree, get a job. Now after that, the instructions were done because she was gone. And so that was the last thing that she had told me. And I did it. And now I'm like, all right, now now what do I do? Now Now this is where I needed to lean on God. But again, remember over the past six years, the relationship had been, I should say probably over over 10 years up to that point from 14 until about 24, my relationship with God was shaky at best. And so I didn't even know how to go to God for direction and revelation. So started a long journey of me trying to figure out what I was supposed to do in my life. And because I was confused, and this is the thing that, that I want you to get, when you are confused about what it is God is telling you to do, you, it's easy to fall victim to whatever whims of the world are out there, right? There are uh, traps and snares, and if you don't have definitive uh, a definiteness of direction, it's easy to get blown here, there, and everywhere, so... That's what was happening. I was kind of blown here, there, and everywhere. So fast forward to about 2013, I was, um, I was going through a, a rough patch. And if you read the book, you'll read about this in the book. But I talk about some situations I was in. And, and I just remember one time sitting in this little, this little one-bedroom apartment. I don't even think I had the lights on at the time. Or not, not literally physically turned on. I don't think that the lights were on. Like, I didn't have power at the time. And um, I just remember having this conversation with God about you You have to show me what you want me to do. If I'm going to get out of this situation, you going, you're going to have to get me out of this situation. It's out of my, my realm of ability. I cannot do this under my own power and strength. And uh, I used to go to this coffee shop around the corner just to kind of try to figure things out. Right, I would write stuff down, ideas, business plans, all this stuff, like just trying to figure stuff out. And I would listen to uh, different speakers. Now, when I had moved, when I finished grad school, I moved to Orlando. Uh, one morning I was getting up, getting ready for work, and I turned on the TV and I came across um, this broadcast. I can't remember what station it was, why, why it was playing in Orlando, but it was, uh, it was Pastor Jamal Bryant. Uh, who pastored at that time in Baltimore uh, at a church. And he was, I mean, you know, if if you heard him back in his younger days, like he was just going all out, right? And it was the first time I'd seen a pastor that young with that much enthusiasm preaching the way he was preaching. And it made me late for work. I was listening to a sermon for so long. So I had discovered him, and then that led me to other speakers. And so I started listening to these sermons when I was, you know, right after uh, grad school. But as with most things, you go through a season where you're really involved and then then you're not so much. So I, I probably hadn't listened to him since then. And this is, this is probably five, six years later. Anyway, I'm at this coffee shop. I come across this sermon that he, he preached. And I cannot find this sermon. To this day, I cannot find it. I have a, uh, I've, I've tried to look for it. I don't know if it's, I don't know where it's at. But I believe the title of the sermon was, I Am Responsible and i listened to it when i tell you it convicted me in a way that i've never been convicted before because essentially all of these things i was asking god for all i was asking him to do what i first needed to understand and admit to myself that a lot of the decisions that i had made had led me to this place so it's one thing to realize that you can't do anything under your own power and control and authority it's another thing to realize that a lot of the things and decisions that we're making, we brought on ourselves. Right. So I had to get to a place of uh, acceptance that I was responsible for the situation. I had found myself in based on the choices I had made. Right. Uh, that was the first place I listened to that sermon. I promise you, I listened to that sermon every day, every morning at about 7 o'clock in the morning for 30 days. Until it really sunk in that I needed to take responsibility, become accountable for the man I would eventually become or or not. And stay in this place of self-pity and um, questioning my purpose and my intention. And so after about 30, 30, 35 days, I started to really hear from God again. Right. Um, And this time. As opposed to when I was seven and I felt like this, you know, just this sensation inside, I was getting clear directives and I could distinguish for the first time between because a lot of times throughout the course of my life, you know, when you get these when I got moves of God or downloads from God, I was had a time, a hard time distinguishing between whether I was my voice or his voice. But this time there was no doubt that it was the voice of God that was giving me some insight and inspiration into what I should do. So much so that I can't tell you how many notebooks I burned through just writing down streams of consciousness and revelation that I was getting about my life and about the the people around me and their lives. And so I started writing again. I started writing when I was like 14, I told you. But when I was in college, I lost my entire notebook of poems and short stories and I decided I wasn't going to write again. So I hadn't written for about, you know, 7-8 years at this point. So I started writing and just started writing down everything that God was giving me in the way that it was being given to me. 2 years later, about a year and a half later, God said, "Alright, I need you to put this in a book." And I'm like, "Well, first of all, I don't I don't even think I write well enough to, to put things in a book." And if I wanted to, I don't know how to start. Like, I don't, I don't know anyone who's ever published a book. I don't, I don't even know what that means. Like, What do I do? How, do? how do I go through this process? But I've always been a figure it out kind of guy, which has gotten me in trouble at times, by the way. But I've always been, a, let's, let's bootstrap it. Let's figure this thing out. And so um, once I wrestled with God a little bit back and forth about whether or not I should do this, how I was going to do it, um, I just started the process of trying to figure it out uh now a lot of things i would have done differently about wrapped in skin if i had if i had to go do it over again but in that book again encapsulates my journey and um what i believe god has purposed me to do in this life and you know there were times when after the book came out i'm thinking man what did what i do what i put all my life in this book and not all my life literally but i mean i talked about personal stuff in the book uh you know, I kind of exposed myself uh, a little bit in the book and I second guessed it. I second guessed it right up to the point, uh, which uh, it was about two months after I released it. I'm sitting at this event. It was, um, it was an agency party. So my agency had had a party, Uh, my talent agent had a party holiday party at this little, little venue. Now we were only utilizing one side of the venue and the other side of the venue was open to the public. And as I'm sitting, in the party i'm i don't know about you but when i get around crowds I mean, sometimes i get my social battery gets drained very quickly it hasn't always been that way but it gets it gets drained very quickly and so my social battery was getting drained and i was like i you know it's pretty early i'm not really ready to leave yet but i need to get away from from this group so i went to the other side of the venue where regular customers were at and so i go and uh i sit at the bar there's a there's a girl sitting at the sitting beside me, and so we strike up a conversation. And clearly, she is not having the greatest day, greatest week. She's taking shots after shot after shot. And so we strike up a conversation. I won't tell you what all we talked about during the conversation, but it was a it was a relatively brief conversation, but it was a good discussion. But in the conversation, somewhere, I mentioned to her about uh, wrapped in skin that I'd written this book. And I didn't tell her a lot about the book. I wasn't preaching to her or anything like that. I just kinda mentioned it in passing that, oh yeah, by the way, I you know, I write and I, I kinda I just published a book, I don't know how it's gonna do, blah blah blah. And then we continue talking, we talked about other stuff. And I didn't think anything else about it. I went back to the other side, she continued to sit at the bar. About um six months later, I get in I get a message on Facebook from some random person, and it is literally the longest, I don't know how she even was allowed to send a message this long. I thought there were limits on how how long your messages could be, but she sent a message, I printed it out It was about four pages long, this message. And it was, it was the girl from the bar. And she proceeds to tell me that after we had that interaction that night, she leaves, ends up getting a DUI, goes to jail Um, while she's in jail. Uh, her girlfriend, the girl she was seeing at the time, who she had been having, which is what we spent the bulk of the time talking about, her relationship. And um, ended up breaking up with her. Wouldn't help her get out of jail. She lost her job while she was in jail. So anyway, her her life was already spiraling at the time we talked. But at this point, it had spiraled completely out of control. Uh, so when she does get get out of jail, she has no one to talk to. There's no one to kind of receive her so she's drinking even more she's experimenting with drugs all this stuff and she gets another dui now this time they um suspend her license completely i think they ended up impounding her car so anyway she's going through a lot of stuff needless to say and she said for some reason she remembered the conversation we had and, and Talking about the book. And so she gets online. She orders the book. And she said to me that. Reading that book. Changed her life. Now. I, I told y'all this before that. My, the favorite. One of the most important things I've written. And my favorite thing that I've ever written. Is this quote. And it says. There's a life in the crowd. And perhaps just one. Who needs me. And if my voice finds its way to them, then my life has indeed been worth the living. And as I'm in my head about, man, nobody's buying this book, or nobody's gonna buy this book, or what? What am I? What am i thinking I can even be an author, and who's this gonna impact? And why did I do this? Why did I spend all my time on this? And then I get that message, and it was like if this is all that ever comes out of the last year and a half of 2 years or 2 years then this is more than enough to be able to have some sort of impact on someone who is dealing with the situation um yeah even talking about it right now makes me makes me feel uh makes me get emotional you know just just kind of talking about it right now but and, and again, I, I said that most of the time when I start these podcasts, I have some sort of idea what I want to talk about, where I want it to go. Um, and then I want to I always want to leave you with something. And I think right now what I want to leave you with is no matter what you feel that the impact of your work is, no matter what you feel your importance is to people around you, to the greater good of the community, the world as a whole. Whether or not you feel like you're having as much impact as you want want to have. If you are doing it because God has placed something deep down inside of you and is guiding you and pushing you to do it. Then it doesn't matter how you consciously think it's happening or or what impact it's having. Because as long as you're motivated by the move of God on the inside of you. As long as you're motivated by the Holy Spirit, as long as you're motivated by good intentions, as long as you're living by those three tenets that I talked about a few episodes ago. uh, The idea that, number one, I want to daily enrich myself. Number two, I want to daily serve people. And number three, I want to daily add more to the world than I take away from it. If you can look at whatever project or job or industry or Whatever you're doing, if you can look at it through the, the lens of those three things and you're constantly checking those boxes, then I would say continue to do it. Forget about, again, this this idea of what kind of impact is it is it having? How is it being received? If your intentions are pure, if your motiv- motivation comes from the source, then continue to do it. And it will it will do what it's supposed to do. It may not do what you want it to do when you want it to do it, but it will do what it's supposed to do. So, yeah, I thought I wanted to give you a little bit of insight of who I am and where I come from and what my mindset is around all this stuff and why I know for a fact that God is, that God is the only one who can show me what I should do, when I should do it, how I should do it. And if I lean into my own understanding, I will always get it wrong. We'll always get it wrong because I can only see today. I can't see tomorrow or the next day or the day after that. But I know someone who can. And so if I trust in his vision, then I'll be okay. As always, I love y'all. I appreciate y'all. And for this time, while you're wrapped in the skin, you will be, if you choose it to be so, the very best of God. Y'all be good. Love y'all don't need too much turkey that's a wrap for this episode pun intended I want to thank you for joining us we hope that you learned something about yourself uh, hopefully you heard something that you had otherwise never thought of in that way We welcome your comments. Please share, subscribe, talk about this with your friends. Uh, Our goal is to talk next time about something that you want to hear specifically. So comment, um, message us, email us, let us know what you want to hear, what you want us to talk about, what you thought about this episode, and we'll catch you next time. That'll be good.